Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. How are we? Good. Glad you guys are here today in this place. If you don't know me, my name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here. And so if you're a guest with us, man, thanks for being here, man. Super honored that you guys are in this place uh, today. We say this a lot, but I, I don't think that we're the church for everyone. But my selfish ambition would be, I hope we're the church for you. And so I'm going to say, welcome home. Welcome to the family. Uh, here's what I do know. I know God wants you in a local church. And so I would just say, man, uh, I'm going to pray that God would speak really loud to you today. I pray that he would make it really clear this is home or if it's, if it's not. So thanks for being here. Again, honored that you're here in this place. If you're a regular, man, glad you're here too. Super honored that you are back from last week or the week before. But uh, today has been an incredible day. Uh, and the day is just getting uh, started, really. Let me talk about a few things before we get into the Word of God today. Uh, one, tonight I'm teaching a class called Jumpstart. It's how to read your Bible. So as believers, you've heard this before. We know that the Bible says all scripture is God-breathed and it's useful. It's useful for us. As believers, there's value in the word of God. And then you look over at Joshua and it says, do not, it's a command. Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. In fact, it says to meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And so we know that. We know there's value. We know there's a command from God. But the church at large, I would say the capital C church, not necessarily just us, but the church at large, we don't read the scriptures. We just don't read the Bible like I think we should. I think there's a number of reasons why that is. And I think we could discuss and debate a, a lot of different ones. I do think one feels a bit more valid to me, if you will, uh, than others maybe. One would be if you don't have a history in the Bible. If you didn't grow up around the Bible, I'm going to be honest, it's just a bit overwhelming. Like if you just take this home and you've never read the Bible, like to open this up, it just feels a little bit overwhelming. Quite honestly, this book's written a little different than most. Not often books do I open up and there's two different columns. Like it's just different, right? And there's, there's really little, little words, right? A lot of books aren't that small. And so it can feel a bit overwhelming. And so tonight, this just in, Julie's going to help me teach tonight. So we're going to teach uh, this class to get very practically, I mean, how do you read your Bible? And so really, I, I want to kick down that kind of excuse that we need to read our word. And so we'll do that tonight at six o'clock. I want to make sure you also know next week at 1130, just switch up the service. We'll have 400 people at the 10 o'clock. That's fine. Uh, switch it up. 1130 is small group leader orientation. And so we've said a lot, man. We believe, man, we are certainly a church of small groups, not just with small groups. Man, we believe that everyone needs to be a part of a small group. And so, man, just as a pastor of this church, I want to speak into this and just say, man, uh, small group orientation, just so you know, you're not signing up with blood there. Uh, this is like, hey, man, God's, God's he started a little something in me. Like maybe this is what he's calling me to do. And so if you'll just show up, uh, man, you'll meet with the Sanchez's who run our small groups, just fabulous humans at all. If nothing else, just fake like it so you can get involved in their life. They're incredible people. Just come be a part. But really, man, just come, man, see, man. I don't know that you can hear God if you won't listen. So I think just be there and just, just maybe just kind of listen in, man. Does God want me to do this? And so I want you to give it a, a shot at that. Okay, let's go to work. Today, we bring or begin uh, today's week of prayer and fasting. So every day this week from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., uh, the church building right here will be open uh, for you to come and pray. I would love for you to come and join me. 
Those of you who've been around for a while uh, maybe would say, seven days, hold on. We've always done 21 in the past. If that's you, let me encourage two different groups, I think, that might would say that. On one, if you legitimately think, man, seven days just feels, I feel like God wants me to do more. It, it honestly kind of feels weak to me in my own spirit. Like, I want to do a little bit more. Can I, I couldn't push you harder to do 21. Do 40. Do something God is calling you to do. We as a church together, we're doing seven. Now, let me talk to the other group that I think might say that. <clears throat> Maybe you found yourself on your spiritual high horse this morning, can I encourage you to stretch yourself and maybe fast something besides pistachios and soap operas that you don't usually eat or watch anyway? Can we just do something a little bigger if that's you? But I just want to encourage you either way to be a part of that. But join me tomorrow at 6 a.m. here in this building. So just so you know what to expect, what you're walking into. So when you come in, man, we'll have music playing. I'll get here before you. I'll turn the lights on. Heat will be on also. In fact, I'll even make coffee. And so you'll come in here and literally, man, we'll just pray. And so just kind of what we'll do is I'll open up just so it feels like we're starting something or somebody on staff will open up, pray, and then we'll just pray. For the next hour, you can do whatever. I mean, you literally can pray in your seat. You can walk. I'm kind of a walker. You can walk around. I would love to see groups going down the hallways, praying for our kids up and down. However we want to do, we want to pray. Now, last year this happened. It came this year too. So maybe your schedule only allows you like legitimately to come from 6.30 to 6.40. That's okay. Just stop. It's kind of come and go. Or you can stay the whole time. I just want to see as many people as possible, man, as the church coming together to do this. I also know some of you just can't. You got kids. Like, it's just not possible if you do that. And so that's why we have those prayer guides in your seats for you to take home. I encourage you to bring those back with you this week if you're coming. If not, make sure you just take those uh, with you. And then at 7 a.m., I'll come back up to kind of close it, kind of give a benediction, so to speak, so it feels like we're dismissed and we'll go about our day. But I'd love to see you here tomorrow, anywhere from six to seven o'clock. So last week, Pastor Grant talked about fasting. And so he did a great job. I wasn't here, but today I specifically want to talk about prayer. So I think prayer, like fasting, can be a bit overwhelming. So maybe, I don't know, maybe you think, I don't have the right words to say. Like, I don't really know what to say. I, I sure don't want to pray out loud. Like, I don't want to mess this thing up. I, I legitimately want to make sure what I'm saying is pleasing to God, right? I think these are all uh, normal responses. Julie and I have been past this stage, thank God, for several years. But there was a season in our life that I felt like every school teacher, every church teacher, every babysitter, we had thought it was the best idea for my boys to do an art project. And I remember we would be just overwhelmed with like papers upon papers upon papers they would bring home. But the reality is it didn't matter how good it was, that dude went up on the refrigerator every single time, right? Unless it had glitter. If it had glitter, it didn't come into my house. Like it didn't come in my house at all. I legit think glitter is from the devil. I, I do. Like it should probably be another way that I convince you to give your life to Christ to go to hell. 24 hour glitter moms the whole time. Like you don't want it. I hate it so bad. But really for you, you're the same way, man. When your kids bring you something home, like it's not about the picture, right? It's about your child and you love them so much, you naturally love their picture. So I think in regard to prayer, you don't need to stress about it. You don't need to stress. You don't need to worry about perfection. Listen to me. Your father loves you and he loves spending time with you. But I think it's okay to be insecure. And I'll also give a disclaimer up front. I'm going to give us some things that I think we ought to incorporate in our life. I think there's some right ways to do things. At the same time, hear me when I say this. 
I believe God forwards us an overabundance of grace than anything I say today. So make sure you understand that. I'm going to talk about some practical things. I think some instructions we see in the Bible in which to pray. But I think there's a lot, a lot of grace. I think it's normal to be insecure. In fact, the disciples themselves were insecure in their prayers. If you remember at one point, they said to Jesus, teach us how to pray. Like, we don't know. Can you show us how to pray? And so I want to look at that passage of scripture, Matthew chapter six, if you have your Bibles. We'll first look at six, five through eight, and then we'll pick up nine a little later. Verse five says this. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heat up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard. For their many words do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask. And so then he goes on to explains how to pray. So everyone who follows Jesus, if you would call yourself a follower of Jesus this morning, you know you need to pray, right? Like, I just think it's a safe bet that nobody in here is leaving saying, you kidding me? Pastor Matt, honey, Pastor Matt, so we got to pray. We've got to start doing this. Like, we all know that. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time today telling you you need to pray but I do want to talk about kind of the why. Like, why would we do such a thing? And then kind of practically at the end, how do you do this? So why? Why should we pray? First of all, prayer connects us to God. You probably know this, but time is the greatest builder of any relationship at all. And I want us to think about it, because I think we miss this as believers. Think about the luxury and the ability that you and I have to connect with God. Like, think about what that means. He knows everything. Right? He determines what the future holds. Like he holds, it's not a song. He literally holds the world in his hands. And you and I have the luxury, the opportunity, we have his availability to meet with him on a regular basis. He knows everything. And listen to me, he wants to connect with you. Guys, that's big. And make sure you don't miss that. Listen to when I say this. He wants to he doesn't need to connect with you. He wants to. The kind of age-old narrative that God created us because he was lonely is a false narrative. The Trinity was in perfect harmony without us. We serve a God who is completely sovereign, fully capable of handling everything. He is not, he is not in need of our companionship. But listen to me, he wants it. He wants it. And that is so much better. The more you pray, I think the greater the connection you have, which is really like any relationship, right? So for instance, in my own marriage, often I can finish a lot of Julie's sentences. Now, she's not a big fan of that. She's not a fan when I do that. But if I'm being honest, I feel like I'm really good at it. I can recognize Julie's voice in large crowds. Why is that? Because we spend a whole lot of time together. Prayer allows us to understand God's heart, but also to recognize his voice. And so as incredible as that, it may be a little bit intimidating or even overwhelming, but connecting to God for a believer, listen to me, it's your power source. 
Like it's the only way in which we have prayer is we stay connected to God. And you and I, we do that through prayer. So you think about a lamp in a room, if it's unplugged, it's not serving, it's, it's, it, there's no light, right? It doesn't produce light well without being plugged in. You plug it in, it lights up an entire room. I think it's the same for us. When we plug in through prayer to God, we truly become the light. We have the power. Or maybe you would say this. Maybe you would say, I, man, I, I pray. I just don't feel like I have any power. That may be because you're not, you're not operating in that prayer. Power, excuse me. Because I think when we pray, there are several things that matter. Again, this, I wanna, I'm gonna give a real disclaimer here. This one, I, th- I think there's plenty of grace here, but I do think there are some things that actually matter when you pray. I think our motives matter. I think it matters when we pray. I think that's why James 4, 3 says, you ask and you do not receive. Why? I asked for something. I prayed this. I did not receive. Why? Because you asked wrongly to spend it on your own passions. So maybe when you pray, Lord, please help me win that lottery. I'll give 50% to the church. Lord's like, you ain't giving 10% to the church right now, but whatever. So (laughs) just snuck it in there. So maybe, (laughs) maybe you pray, I want want a bigger, I want a bigger car. I'm gonna start a bus ministry, Lord. I'll bring everyone. I'll bring everyone to church. Man, help me, Lord. Give me a bigger house. I fired up four or five small groups, Lord. I want to use it for your glory and your honor. I think some of our prayers sometimes feel powerless because often we're praying our will and not his will. Like we pray for our will to come to pass, but we don't pray for his will. But doesn't the pastor, doesn't the Bible say that God will give me the desires of my heart and I desire a new truck. Like, doesn't he give me that? I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you asked. So Psalms 37 is where that comes from. 37.4 says this, delight yourself in the Lord. Some of us have never heard that part. Is there a comma? We start after the comma. And he will then give you the desires of your heart. I think often we read this is that he'll simply give us the desires of our heart. But listen to me, when we begin to literally delight ourselves in God, We delight ourselves in the Lord. I begin to love the things God loves. I begin to hate the things God hates. Like when I delight myself in the Lord, man, I think all of a sudden, the things of this world seem far less appealing. And I'm not telling you anything wrong with a new truck. I'm just saying when they were praying for these things that are going to complete us, I'm just telling you, it'll never end that way. Like only Jesus can do that. So just be honest with yourself. When you pray, are you praying so you can have more? Are you praying so you can bring more glory to God? I just think our motive matters in how we pray. I think your posture matters. I think your posture matters. The way we approach Jesus matters. I think we must understand the term Lord is not a nickname for Jesus. It's a title. It means master. It means boss. Like you don't just roll up to a master or a boss and demand things. That's not how you approach. I think your posture in approaching the throne of God, I think actually matters. I think we should approach the the throne as the leper did, as the leper did in Matthew 8, when he says, praying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. That's not a faithless prayer. I went through a stage in my life years ago, probably about two years. I just believe some weird stuff. I won't go into detail, but I just did. I was about 20 years. I say two years ago, 
that's not what I meant to say. <laughs> For two years, I was like 18 to 20. Sorry, it was not two years ago. But either way, I just believe some kind of goofy stuff, man. And, and honestly, if I were to have been sick, we'll just say, and I asked you to pray for me, and if you prayed anywhere in there, that if it's your will, heal him, Lord, I immediately would go, it's faithless. Like I literally, that, that was my belief. I would say, no, I, I need some commanding. I need to start getting people, tell people to get up. Do all these, I need commanding in my life. It's not a faithless prayer to say, God, your will be done. It's not a cop-out to pray your will be done. I mean, you look at Matthew chapter eight, man. Matthew chapter eight, I've literally been reading for about four weeks now. Like I can't get away from it. And so it's not even in my notes, but I just want to sneak it in because it's incredible what's going on here in this passage. So Jesus first is talking with the, the leper comes and he wants to be healed. He said, Jesus, we just, we just prayed. He comes to him. He says, you can make me well. Like how much faith and humility is in the middle of that? If you will, I know you can do it. I know you can do it. There's, there's so much, but it's not coming up. God, you need to. I saw you heal these other five people. You owe it to me. No, no, no. It's humility. If you will, positive you can. I'm so positive that you can. In fact, last night when I was praying for Wes Gaddy, Wes Gaddy's a, a guy that serves in our church, incredible guy. I've known him for years. Man, he's got COVID really bad right now. Not doing well at all. You should pray from Wes Gaddy's his name. But I, I pray continually over and over, Lord, I know you can heal him. I know you can. I'm positive. And I don't know that I'm reminding God or maybe I'm just reminding myself. Like strengthen my faith. I know, I know, I know you can heal him. God, heal him, Jesus. I know you can. So I just think, again, the humility in which we pray, I think matters. Our posture matters. Later in that chapter, you see the centurion. It's incredible. Like he prays and he says, my servant is sick at home. If you remember, Jesus says, I'll go. Let's roll. I'll go with you. He says, no, 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 you don't have to. Just say it. Just say it and it will be done. Jesus heals them. Because look at the faith he has over and over. Just, God, you can do it. You don't need to go to my house. Don't come to my house. a mess. Don't come to my house. Like just say it, right? And you can do it. Your posture matters. Faith is not giving God an assignment and holding him to it. Faith is believing God is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he'll do. Family, your posture matters. Not only that, but your heart matters. Mark 11 says this, therefore I tell you whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. Why? So that your father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. This is tough. Right, so, so really, like if I hold anything against anyone, listen, unforgiveness creates a barrier between you and God. Nelson Mandela spent 27 years in prison. Tiny little cell, spent there every day breaking big rocks into small rocks. And as he left, let me quote this, he said this, as I walked out of the door toward the gate that would lead me to freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I would still be in prison. If you think about it, Jesus modeled this. You got men who are, who are killing, who are, are stabbing, who are killing our Jesus. And he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Your heart matters. First Peter 3, 7 says, likewise, talking to husbands, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you as, excuse me, of the grace of life so that your prayers 
may not be hindered. Like treat your wife in such a way that your prayer will not be hindered. Your heart matters. Not only that, but the way we live, I think it matters. Proverbs 15, 29 says, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. I just don't think we can live a life that's contrary to scripture and expect to reap what you did not sow. And I'm not saying everything, I think it's tricky. I don't wanna, I don't wanna put forward that everything hinges on you be good, God's gonna heal you. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying to think that I would reap something I've never sowed just logically doesn't make much sense to me at all. When we live for God, it's our prayer that keeps us connected to him. So prayer doesn't just connect us, but prayer changes our circumstances. So Matthew 21 says this, and Jesus answered them, truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up, thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. And so you think about Joshua 10, Joshua's leading the Israelites in the middle of this battle, and he wants to finish the battle. He's got this great idea, right? And he asks God to make the sun stand still. And God does it. And so there's a lot of smart dudes, man, that are way smart. I mean, think the sun was already standing still. I don't know if that matters. Maybe it's better if it was because his prayer doesn't make any sense, but God grants it. So God is much more, I think, interested in your heart than he is your intellect. He cares much more about your heart than he does your intellect. God responds to your heart. Think about Peter's miraculous escape from prison. When the church at the same time is praying for him when he's in prison. So in Acts 12, it says, Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. So the church is praying. He's locked up in prison over here. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping beside the two soldiers. Then suddenly the chains came off and he's free. And when he figures that out, he walks out of there, gets up, it says, and the chains fell off. A few verses down later, verse 12, I'm just running out of time. I gotta go. Verse 12 when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and they're praying. Like they're still praying for something that's already happened. Second Kings 20, God tells Hezekiah that he's about to die. Hezekiah begs not to, and then God tells him he'll add 15 more years to his life. First Samuel, Hannah prays for a son, prays for a son. She hasn't had children. She has Samuel, three more sons and two more daughters later. God still heals. God still restores. He still delivers. He still calls. God is still a miracle working God. Prayer changes things. But prayer may not always change your circumstance. It does a lot, but it may not always. However, it always changes us. So I would say this to you. If you're praying for God to change something in your life, and maybe you've been doing this for a while and it's not happening, let me remind you, number one, remember, I've told this before, Garth Brooks is a singer. He is not a theologian. There is not a such thing as unanswered prayers. God answers prayers. I've also taught God has really three answers. God says yes sometimes. Incredible. I love it when God says yes. Listen to me, church. God says no. He says no because he loves you, but he also says not now. And listen, I used to think that was a cop-out answer. And I'm talking about anything we're praying for. Maybe it is healing. 
sometimes God says, not now. And I used to think when preachers say, oh, they're healed in heaven, like I used to think it was a cop-out. No, that's how God chose to heal them. He may not have healed them on this earth, but he's healed them now. And so again, he answers prayers. But if you found yourself praying for something that's not happening, I'm not saying stop praying that way. I just think maybe instead of praying, God, can you change these things? Lord, please stop this storm. Maybe he's choosing not to stop the storms in your life just yet. Maybe pray, can you change me? Can you change me that you would able to, I would walk through what you're bringing me through. He's, here's, a, here's a tremendous faith statement for you from your pastor. I think there's a chance that more things I've prayed for, God said no, than he said yes. It just happens. And not every time I ask God to do something, he does it. In fact, I'm grateful for all the no's he's told me in my life. Because I'm, unfortunately, I probably prayed a lot of selfish prayers that he said no to. But there are times, I know the truth and I know he answers. There are times I feel like God doesn't answer my prayer. So I have to go back to the word. He does. He does. He may have just said no, Matt. He may have just said not yet. But there are times But every time, every single time I pray, he changes me. He changes me. He teaches me. He works in me. Again, God is far more concerned with your heart and your eternity than he is your current situation. And I'm not saying God doesn't care about your circumstances. He does. But if I have to rank it, God cares far more about your eternity. He cares far more about your soul, your future, than he does your current situation. Does that make sense? So you know you need to pray, you know why. But do you ever feel like you just run out of things to say? Like sometimes like you may have prayed a lot. You just feel like, man, I don't know what to say. So how do we pray? Let's finish this passage. Matthew 6, start at 9, says this. You've heard this. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others' trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So you can actually take this Lord's Prayer and you can kind of make an outline out of it. You can pray through this. So that's what actually that prayer guide is. This is a day by day for this week that you can pray through the Lord's Prayer. So if you can't make it, take this home and and use this and walk through this prayer. But if you don't, we don't have to have this. You can just pray through the scripture. And so you literally just look through the verses. So it starts, our father in heaven. Who is he? He's your father. He's your father. And listen to me, church. There's sometimes that's all you got to pray. That's all you got to pray. And you'll find some comfort that will overwhelm you, that you have a father in heaven that loves you. You can just rest maybe in that comfort. Many years ago, one of my boys bad had night terrors would wake up every other week probably maybe maybe closer to once a week screaming bloody murder and I would run down the hall to my grab him and I'd say son son wake up wake up take forever to get him wake up wake up wake up do not hold him and literally he would just ease and the terror would it would just go away his crying would stop why because in the loving arms of a father so same with you and I sometimes we just need to say your father Your Father, Father God, your Father. And maybe you just rest in that comfort. And then you can go on though, then pray, hallowed be your name. Maybe focus on the names of God. 
you don't know those, Google them. Look in the Bible, it'll tell you the names of God are, right? Isaiah said he's the Prince of Peace. Pray that. I need peace in my life, God. The Bible says you're the Prince of Peace. I need some peace. You're wonderful counselor. You're mighty God. You're everlasting Father. Throughout Scripture, the Bible said He's Emmanuel. That ain't just for Christmas, right? He's God with us. And that should, that should, that should wake you up to understand the, the God of the universe. He's with you, family. As distant as you may feel, He's Emmanuel. He's with you. The Bible says, God, you're my rock. You're my peace. You're my healer, my savior. You're holy. You're perfect. You're my provider. I need provisions, God. You're my provider. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's all-knowing. He's powerful. He's a king of kings. He's the supreme judge. He's the teacher. Family, I just think it's important that you know who you're talking to. Understand who you're praying to. Some days you need a healer. You're in luck. He's that. Some days you just need some comfort. You're in luck. That's who he is. Pray the names of God. Call out to God for who he is. And then move on. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We got to pray this regularly. God, I want your will, not mine. Darn it, I lived like I wanted my will yesterday, but today, God, I want your will. I want your will, God. Learn to fall in love with the will of God. And understand, I think there should be some confidence knowing he wants you to know his will more than you want to know it. Let's try to catch up. I want to know the will of God and I want to fall in love with the will of God. God, your will be done. And you'll notice that the Lord's Prayer here, man, it kind of pivots. If you'll notice, I think it's intentional. Jesus teaches us to recognize God before we start recognizing ourselves. Then it kind of pivots and it says, then we pray, give us this today, our daily bread. It's daily. I need, I need daily bread, Lord. Ask God to meet your needs. I, I do think there's some order here. It makes sense to me that I would go here before here, but don't be bashful to ask God for your needs. A father, a loving father, always longs to meet the needs of his children. You don't get upset with your children when they ask for something they need. Like we don't, right? A loving father. And, and then go on. Verse 12 says, forgive our debts. We've also forgiven our debtors. Prayer of forgiveness, search your heart. And sometimes we get, this life I think, maybe it's just me, but life gets going so fast, you don't even realize you sinned but you did. And it's an offense to God. And so you got to go back and you say, God, search my heart. Like, what is it, God? How, who did I offend yesterday? What did I say in such a way that might've pushed someone away from you? Ask him to search your heart. Ask him to bring those things up. Examine who you may need to forgive. And then 13, finally, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's okay to pray. Keep us safe, God. Lead us from evil. Keep us away. Keep us away from evil. It's really easy. It's simple. You don't know what to pray, man. Just pray through the Lord's Prayer. It's a great kind of outline that you can pray every single day. Amen? Does that make sense? It's pretty simple. Listen to me. I couldn't encourage you more at this time to develop a healthy prayer life. I just think if we'll get in the Word of God, we'll spend time in His presence, your life will be greater than you've ever dreamed possible. Let me pray for you. Father God, we love you. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for all that you've already done. But God, I'll stand on truth of your character and I'll thank you for tomorrow. God, I wanna thank you for the next day. God, I thank you for being a God, a God that's in control of our lives. We're so thankful for you, God. We thank you that, that as, as mighty as you are, as big as you are, 
God, we just want to thank you for that you want to connect with us. And we do that through prayer. And so God, those of us in this room who are walking with you, God, I pray you'd, you'd stir something else in us. God, we want to pray. We'd long to connect with you. There'd be that desire to wake up. God, I just want to be with you, to connect with you. We love you, God. We thank you. Maybe you would, maybe you'd say this. Your head bowed in your eyes. Maybe, maybe you would say this. Maybe really everything I've said feels a bit foreign to you. And you, there's no real connection, if you're honest, that you have with God. Well, the Bible says that He came, and He lived, and He died a horrific death for you and I. And listen, the, the reason you get to connect with Him is what He did on that cross in dying for you. Now, there's no curtain. There's nothing between you and God. You have full access to Him. And He longs to adopt you as a son or daughter. And so maybe again, you don't know what tomorrow holds, but you do feel this stirring in your heart today. I'm just telling you, that's the Spirit of God. And He's drawing you to Himself. And so if that's you today and you've never said yes to Jesus, I just want you to slip up your hand. I, I literally just want to say a quick prayer for you. We're going to pray all together. And you've never said, yes, Jesus, be my Lord. I want us all as a family to pray this prayer out loud together. Pray this way, Father God, thank you for saving me. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. I repent of my sin. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Newcastle. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.